The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, where will they be? So it is with those who have stored up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of God. Today we are continuing our four-part series on some of Jesus' parables and looking at how they might be speaking to us in these extraordinary times that we're living in. Parables come at the truth slant, and so they invite us to imagine uh, seeing the world in ways that maybe we couldn't see it before. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to be open to them, or as Jesus said uh, often, uh, you have to have eyes to see. And that's been part of the, the fun, I guess, and the challenge, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, doing this series together, mm-hmm. that um, you know we don't have all the answers ourselves, and we're like you, especially in these days, trying to look around our own blind spots and be able to see the world more clearly, be able to understand Jesus' teachings Mm -hmm. more clearly. Mm -hmm. So this week, uh, we chose the parable of the rich fool. Mm -hmm. And like in our other parables, Jesus is using an agricultural metaphor to make his Mm -hmm. point. A lot of the people that he would have been talking to would have understood Mm -hmm. that. Um, This man, like last week, is a wealthy landowner and he's had, a, he's had an abundant crop this year. And so one of the things that, that stands out immediately when you read this parable is how many times he refers to himself. He says, mm-hmm. I, six times, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do this and then I will do that. And then he talks about his own soul in the second person and says, you know, soul, you should do this. And so he begins even having a conversation with himself mm-hmm. about himself. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, it's, it's, an, it's a wonderful image and metaphor, uh, uh, kind of a snapshot into his life, because here he is talking about bigger barns, but it's so clear how small his world mm. actually has become. He doesn't talk about uh, family. He doesn't talk about friends. He doesn't mm. talk about God. Uh, and interestingly, by the way, he doesn't say anything about all the laborers that would have worked right. to help him produce um, that mm. crop either. Mm. His money has, has made his vision such that everything he sees starts and begins with, with him. Uh, he's become mm. greedy and, mm. and self-centered. It's no surprise that in the same conversation later um, past this parable, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. 
For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus knows that behind greed is this anxiety about the future and a fear that there's just not enough to go around. And the rich man, he's put his trust in his overabundance of crops and his material um, accomplishments, as if they have staying power in his life. He miscalculated the dividends of material riches over the inheritance of loving relationships. He missed the mark that a life of genuine security would not come from his wealth, but from having trust in the goodness of God and in a community of loving support. Material wealth doesn't show up for us in times of a pandemic. We know that for sure. People show up. And in crises, relationships reveal themselves. We find out pretty quickly um, that our deepest yearning is actually for connection and belonging. The true good life, Jesus says, is grounded in healthy relationships with others, with God, with even ourselves. And what we need in times of crises is a safety net of friends and family and a church community, not a storage unit full of possessions. It's so easy, though, to turn to things for a quick fix, and I get it. Material goods have one big advantage, and is that is that they're instant, they're immediate. Um, things and shopping and clicking purchase satisfies our surface desires, our surface cravings, but they numb our deeper hunger. Our family loves donuts, and eating a donut is always a treat and an immediate thrill, but one cannot have a diet of donuts um, and expect that uh, one's body would remain healthy. Relationships satisfy our true hunger. And relationships of substance take time and energy. Storing up relationships as a valued treasure requires time and attention and vulnerability to others. There's this really striking line in the, in the parable. Right after the man has, has made his plans to pull down his old barns and build new ones, Right then, God says to him, you fool, tonight your life is being demanded mm. of you. And it's just like that. It's all over, right? Um, and suddenly, whatever was in those barns uh, doesn't seem nearly as important mm -hmm. anymore. And it's just a stark reminder of what we all know already, that our lives can, mm. can change like that, that, mm -hmm. that the world uh, can, can change in an instant. Yeah. And I think when this pandemic hit, um, it was something like that. And in, in a sense, our life was demanded of us in that moment. Mm. Our old life was gone, and whatever was going to come after that was going to be new. Mm. I mean, who knew on March 8th that this would, that would be the last time that we'd be in here for probably six months or more? Um, think of all the jobs that, we've, that have been lost that we didn't know was coming, or, and certainly all the suffering and the, and the death um, from the pandemic yeah. that we couldn't have imagined. And so, um, similarly, 
whatever we had in those in our barns, so to speak, is what we have to work with. Right. With now, it's it's like we're reaping what whatever we sowed. Mm-hmm. Um, now that our life has been demanded of us, we are having to reap. Yeah. And and there's there's good things. I would say certainly within our congregation, um, you know, as a church of a, a community of faith, we we try to put relationships over things. We try to value that, and so. Um, when the pandemic hit, we started as a church community calling each other and sending cards to each other. Um, we started the Coronavirus Emergency Fund to help mm-hmm. folks mm-hmm. with financial challenges. Um, you know, we set up uh, a way that, that if you needed help, you could call the church and, we'd, you know, and then we'd set up another way that if you could volunteer to help others, you could, you could be a part of that mm-hmm. list and connecting people. We even started worshiping in, in a crazy new way, just so we could stay connected in these times um, with each other. And so, you know, this pandemic's been hard, but I, I can't imagine not having uh, Montview in my life. I hope you can't, I hope it's been something that, you know, as hard as it's been, this has made it easier. Yeah. But as a country, I think um, mm. we, are, we are reaping what we've sown as well, and, mm. and we're experiencing the consequences of so often not putting people over things. And so often um, we're reaping the harvest of not knowing mm. who our neighbors are or, or, or not really caring about the whole community, right. just our little corner of the community. Right. We're reaping the harvest of, of 400 years yeah. of racist history and violence. Um, we're reaping the harvest of, of accepting as the best we can do the extreme economic disparity mm-hmm. in our country. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is for too long, too many of us have lived a life of I, mm-hmm. I, I. Um, too many of us have thought mainly about our own bigger barns and done little to ensure that the community around us is safe, that the community around mm-hmm. of us is thriving. And certainly too many of us, when we think about uh, working against racism, uh, and our white privilege for too long mm. have been too silent and, and buried our head in the sands mm. and just hoped it would go away. Mm. And yet the racial protests have erupted again, um, but something feels different this time. Mm-hmm. Something feels different about these. Um, there appears to be a communal conviction that we've had enough. The generations upon generations of gross racial injustice in this country cannot continue. And this pervasive conviction um, seems to be coming from people of all ages and shades and shapes. And as one ethicist said, Americans of all backgrounds have a generational opportunity to choose love over fear, to choose Dr. King's beloved community over law and order. This means we will need to make different choices and to embrace higher values, uh, to put into place laws and policies that will manifest the goodness um, for the common good. This is what we are called to do as Christians, that we live out gospel values that witness to a kingdom, to a new new heaven and a new earth. Uh, Gospel values build the beloved community. So when crises come without warning, 
and our life is demanded of us, we show what we've built up. The good news is that God keeps giving us chances to build something new, to build for ourselves an inheritance that will not be destroyed. And we are being given the chance today, at this time, to sow seeds that will produce peace and justice. We are being given the chance today to feed the whole neighborhood with God's abundant good gifts. God intends for all children not just to survive, but to flourish. Each of us must look honestly at ourselves to see what we've been storing up in our barns. When our lives have been demanded of us, what difference will they have made? That's a hard question. Personally, and as a nation, we face choices about what sort of inheritance will leave our children and our grandchildren. So we have to ask ourselves, what storehouses do we want to leave for them, for the generations to come as well? Thanks be to God.